Well, the 2021-2022 legislative session has come to an end. What was accomplished? We'll see where the Christian conservative agenda stands, and we'll take a look at what's going on inside the U.S. Senate in Washington, D.C. All of that on this edition of the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Welcome in to the studio. I'm Justin Hall, writing solo, as you can see on this Friday edition of the podcast, and a lot to get to. Signy die happened yesterday, Thursday, May the 12th at 5.01. The South Carolina Senate and House both adjourned, and they will return on June 15th, according to the Signy die resolution, where they can only take up specific things listed in the Signy die resolution. But the reason we're gathering together, I'm gathering with you today, are to look at the major victories that you can claim from this legislative session. We put those out on our Facebook page immediately as soon as the session ended last night. If you haven't gotten a chance to look at those, make sure you visit our Facebook page, Palmetto Families, where you can go to find that graphic. We're just going to take a few seconds to go over what exactly happened in this session. Now, later, we're going to talk about the Women's Health Protection Act. We're going to get into a little bit of what happened in Washington, D.C. this week and what that means for you here in South Carolina over the coming weeks and months. But let's start really quickly with some major victories that you can claim and that you can talk about in the coming weeks when you're gathered around the kitchen table from this legislative session. Obviously, we start with the biggest pro-life victory in the history of the state of South Carolina, and that is the Heartbeat Bill, S-1. It was passed in February of 2021, right? It just took six weeks to pass this major piece of pro-life legislation. It's currently entangled in the court, but again, with possibly Roe being overturned in the Dobbs case, we could see some movement on this, and of course the House and the Senate will come back on June 15th, and they could come back earlier if Roe is overturned, and immediately they will be called back, and they will discuss more pro-life legislation that they could put forward and be codified into law based on the decision in the Dobbs case. CRT was another issue that we discussed with many folks from across the state heading into the session. It was one of the top priorities for people across the state of South Carolina. That bill passed in the House. So the House moved to ban the teaching of critical race theory in the state of South Carolina. Um, The Senate didn't really make a move on it, but there is a budget proviso in the budget for the coming year that does, once again, ban critical race theory and the teaching of it in the state of South Carolina. So that is, again, in the budget proviso. Look for this to be a top item when the next session starts, a top item that could be codified into law. One of the biggest wins of the session was saving women's sports. House Bill 4608 was passed in both the House and the Senate. That bill is heading to the governor's desk where we fully expect him to sign this legislation. A major conservative victory in the state of South Carolina ensuring that women and girls in our state have the equal opportunity to compete on the playing field or on the courts across our state. The MED Act, we talked about this over the last week or so. The MED Act was passed in both houses. House Bill 4776, you can find this if you go to the State House website. You can read more about this or you can listen to previous podcasts. We talked about this on the podcast earlier this week. Now, the House did not concur on the Senate's amendments to the bill. So this is heading to a conference committee. So it has passed in both houses. It hasn't been concurred yet. That's going to happen in conference committee when the General Assembly comes back in regards to the sine die resolution. We fully expect that the minor details and the amendments that need to be discussed, they'll be hashed out 
And we fully expect this bill to head to the governor's desk for his signature. Tax cuts, tax reform, that was handled this year in both the House and the Senate. We saw major movement on both chambers to get something done. However, the budget is heading to conference committee. They have to have the budget done by July 1. If they don't have the bill, uh, the budget excuse me, done by July 1st, then we're talking about a whole different ballgame. So fully expect this to be done by July 1st, and we'll know just how much of a tax cut you're getting and whether you get a tax rebate. All of that still up in the air as the budget and the reforms head to conference committee. Religion is essential. House Bill 3105, we talked about it, passed in both the House and the Senate. It's heading to the governor's desk for signature. It will be signed by the governor. This will protect your house of worship, your church, your synagogue, whatever it is, Uh, Any place of worship will be protected during a time of a state of emergency. No governor, whoever it might be, can come in and override this rule because it is now a part of South Carolina law. The ESA bill, the Education Savings Accounts bill, was passed in both the House and the Senate. A major win for educational opportunity for students all across the state of South Carolina. A major conservative victory there in the educational sector. And finally, lastly... S-150. We've talked about this since January. We've talked about it at length on our podcast here. We've been at the State House. We've discussed this with senators and representatives. Remember, S-150 did pass in the South Carolina Senate. It moved to the House. And in the House, it was brought up as a point of order that the bill institutes a tax. Thus, if it originates in the Senate, makes the bill unconstitutional. Because in the state of South Carolina, according to the South Carolina Constitution, any revenue-generating bill has to begin in the House of Representatives, not in the Senate. Uh, Speaker Speaker Tempore Pope ruled that it did establish a new tax, thus he ruled the bill unconstitutional. The appeal was made, the appeal was tabled, bill derailed. This week, as we mentioned to you, it was possible that medical marijuana advocates could move to tack that bill onto another bill in the Senate as an amendment. That was attempted in the Senate on Wednesday night, and a senator from McCormick, Senator Billy Garrett, raised a point of order that it was not germane to the bill. Therefore, the amendment, uh, that point of order was sustained by Senate President Thomas Alexander, Medical marijuana died in the South Carolina legislature this year. We fully expect this bill to come back in some shape or form, but again, every bill has to start back from scratch. We don't pick it up where it is left off. This was the last year of a two-year session. So as we return to the session in January, it has to start all the way back over. It has to be crafted again. has to be put through committee again, and we'll see where the legislation falls on this bill as it moves into the next session. So if you're keeping track, that are, those are two handfuls of major conservative Christian victories uh, from a biblical worldview in the South Carolina legislature this year. Not to mention election integrity and election reform has been pushed through uh, late in the game as well. So we're, again, we're talking about major victories for you, things that matter to you being handled in the South Carolina State House, and all of these were listed as our major legislative priority items heading into the session, and it is phenomenal that we got movement on every single one of these, and every single one of these 
broke the way we we intend them to break and and move the way we intend them to move. And that's because of your engagement, getting involved, letting your senator and your representative know where you stand on all of these issues. So to say this was one of the most active uh, conservative policy legislative sessions in quite a while, I don't think it's an understatement. I, I think I've, I've had a conversation with a few senators that, that agree that this is a major uh, a, a set of major wins for conservatives across the state of South Carolina. Speaking of wins for conservatives, uh, let's go to Washington, D.C. Obviously, the leak draft opinion of the Dobbs v. Jackson Women Health Organization decision was leaked in uh, just a couple weeks ago. That draft decision was drafted in February by Justice Samuel Alito. You have seen on your television screens, on your phones, you've seen on social media folks protesting outside of these justices' homes, which, by the way, is a violation of federal law. You can't protest in hopes of changing the mind of a judge that is against the law. Won't go there. Don't have time to dive into the into the law, but certainly if um, you want to, reach out to me, Justin, at palmettofamily.org. I'll be happy to send you the code that says these folks aren't allowed to do that. So after this decision... The Senate Majority Leader decides that he wants to yet again put another vote on the floor of the Senate to codify abortion across the country. Now, the Women's Health Protection Act is what this was called. Um, It was a Democrat-led bill, this is from NPR, by the way, that would codify the right to an abortion. Um, It did not pass, and we're not shocked by that. This, This vote was very much a symbolic vote at the bare minimum. Um, and at the, at the most, actually, it was a symbolic vote. But I don't think it's going to work out the way the Senate Majority Leader wanted it to. Remember, we have a 50-50 split in the Senate. And we won't get into why that happened. But we have a 50-50 split in the Senate. So in a, in a case of a tie vote, the, the vice president would preside and break the vote. Now, in this case... This is not a bill that's already on the floor. This is to get the bill to a vote. So in order to do that, you have to have 60 yays to get the bill to an actual vote. With a 50-50 split, codifying abortion into law in the the United States of America, going to be a little difficult to do. And as we saw, it was. The vote failed by a vote of 49 to 51. Now you say 50-50, but how do you get 49-51? Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia voted with Republicans on the vote. He voted no. Um, basically, his his argument as to why he voted no was one of the most well-articulated positions on this bill that, that I could find. Um, simply put, this Women's Health Protection Act would override 500 state laws that already restrict abortion on different scales, uh, these different pro-life legislations. Uh, the, the Center for Reproductive Rights says this, that the people hurt most by abortion restrictions are those already facing barriers to accessing health care, including black, indigenous people of color, women. Obviously, uh, I guess you would include women, right? Those working to make ends meet, we're, we're, we're loosening the definitions. Members of the LGBTQI plus community, immigrants, young people, those living in rural communities, and people with disabilities. Now, the Women's Health Protection Act would do a lot more than just codify abortion. We're talking about codifying abortion up and through nine months of pregnancy. 
which the White House has come out, and, and they're fully supportive of this. The president, who is um, a devout Catholic, uh, says we will continue to defend women's constitutional rights to make private reproductive choices as recognized in Roe v. Wade nearly a half century ago. And my administration will continue to explore the measures and tools at our disposal to do just that. Now, again, I want to make sure we're all on the same point that the current president of the United States, when he was a senator, early in his tenure, ran on the idea that Roe was not adjudicated correctly. and Ran on the idea, ran on the platform that Roe would not work. I don't know when the change happened, but it changed. He's saying they'll defend women's constitutional right. Again, I, I'm, I'm just a director of comms, but I cannot find anywhere in the Constitution where the Founding Fathers gave anyone the right to, to kill a baby. I'm still looking for it. If you know it, if you find it, let me know, and don't give me the 14th Amendment. Find me the constitutional right that does this. Now, the Senate Majority Leader did this as a symbolic vote, which is fine, because now we understand that forty-nine that the that the position of one party is to have abortion legal across all spectrums, and really up and through nine months, according to the U.S. Senate, according to the Democrats in the Senate. So the 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 vote is obvious. The positions are obvious. That's where we're going. The question is, what do we do about it? The question is, where where do we go from here? And the White House, as, as I was just getting to. They like to use the statistic that two out of every three Americans say they support Roe v. Wade. Well, that's, that's true, but no one knows what's in Roe v. Wade. No one knows what's in Roe v. Wade. And if you go a little bit deeper, according to some of the numbers from the, from the Guttenmacher uh, Institute, which is pro-abortion, after 15 weeks, the number of people who support abortion after 15 weeks is dramatically less than those before. Is it? So to say that two out of every three Americans support Roe v. Wade, well, that might be true, but they don't know what's in it. And if they don't know what's in it, of course they're going to support it because they don't know what's in it. And most people don't realize that it was written as a legislative piece and not even as a court decision, which we've talked about on the podcast before. So again, if you're just joining us, this was not a filibuster by Republicans. You have to overcome the 60-vote threshold to get it to the floor. When a Democrat joins, this is now a bipartisan up-down no. We're not sending this to the floor. Here's where we stand, and here's, and here's the brass tacks of it. 49 senators in the United States Senate voted to legalize abortion through nine months. So where do we stand here? Dave Wilson, our president, mentioned uh, on our last podcast that this is the new dividing line in our country. Now, I don't believe people are going to go vote in November based on abortion. I, I, I don't believe that, simply because that's never been the case before. I don't feel it's going to be the case now, certainly in a midterm election. But I do think it is a very interesting dividing line that we need to look at when it comes to the, the, the political spectrum. I'm not talking Republican and Democrat. I'm talking conservative and liberal. Where do you fall on the spectrum? Because I think this is a line that we're going to continue to see pushed. Remember, the decision is not even final yet from the Supreme Court. Now, I fully expect that the court will rule, as they do in the draft decision, that Roe was not litigated correctly and, and, and that, the, that the decision there was um, an abuse of, legisl uh, of, of legal power, an abuse of judicial power, and that will be returned to the states. Now, again, we talked about this on Monday and on Tuesday. 
that the argument from one side of the aisle is that this overturning Roe would be a threat to democracy. Eventually, not everything can be a threat to democracy. By the way, I've had I think we I think we're counting now probably ten threats to democracy since the inauguration of this president. So it's not a threat to democracy because it will return the issue back to the states, thus giving more power to the people to elect the representatives and the senators in their states to legislate what they want to do on this specific issue, which makes perfect sense because people in South Carolina might view the issue differently than people in California, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We do. We do. So this is not, this is not broad overreach by the court to abuse women or to ruin women's lives. You're seeing a lot of different arguments about this. You're seeing that, that we are forcing pregnancy on people. Again, I don't understand that argument at all. I just don't. Um, you'll, you'll have the argument, and, and we've heard this argument too, that the more restrictive laws there are against abortion practices, or as I like to word it, the more pro-life legislation you have on the books, your infant mortality rate increases. Well, that's just simply not true. In South Carolina and Georgia both, the infant mortality rate has dropped since 2019. Has dropped. And that's according to the Center for Disease Control, which we've given a lot of power to, so we should probably trust their data. So, again, we're seeing a drawing, a dividing line between these two camps. And what's really interesting is that we are at a point where we're now seeing Republicans in the Senate begin to craft up legislation that's similar to the Women's Health Protection Act, and they're going to try to pass a softer version of that. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think that's something well worth watching. Again, we're waiting. though. They're going to try to have to get that under the gun before Dobbs is is ruled on and before we get that draft decision. right? So this issue is going to be returned to the states more than likely in a post-Roe world. So what does this look like in a post-Roe world? And what do we need to be talking about? What do conversations do we need to be having with one another about this? And where do we need to begin to turn our attention? Well, if Roe is overturned, we'll be living in a post-Roe world which means the issue is going to be returned, as I said, back to the states. True federalism and its purest sense of the, of the word and how I think most things need to be done. So when that happens, it's up to our senators and representatives to determine what the laws are going to be here in South Carolina. Again, we already have the Harvey Bill, which is a six-week bill. There are bills that have been introduced that are more strict, that go further than that. And what we're doing here at Palmetto Family, full disclosure, we are going through those bills right now. We are reading through the bills and determining what's on the table and what could come next. Because again, if Rose overturned, this issue is going to be taken up when the General Assembly returns in the summer. And so we need to, we need to have our ear to the ground and our eyes up and looking around as to what could be happening in our state. Because it's important to know what's happening in our own state, right? If this is returned to each state, California will pass abortion laws that are very similar to uh, the Women's Health Protection Act, where I, I, you, you see all the time, and this is going to sound very crass, and I don't mean for it to, you see all the time states put out commercials to visit our state, visit Alabama, visit Georgia, you know, beautiful places, smiling faces, visit South Carolina. I think we're going to begin to see states like California, states like New York, states such as those, Massachusetts, you're going to see, hey, 
you can have an abortion here. We'll pay for you to come. We'll pay for your hotel room. We'll, we'll pay for your travel. Pay for your bill. I, I think we're going to begin to see a real dividing line in the, in the country on what this is. And it's not going to be uh, soft. I think it's going to be rather hardline, and I think it's going to be a a battle that um, is vigorous, and you're going to hear a lot of things are just completely factually incorrect. Um, you're going to hear a lot of names be thrown at you, but we're on the ground, and we're we're watching this, and and we're waiting to see what happens. What I would encourage you to do, as I'm flying solo here on the podcast today, so I don't have a chance to bounce anything off of the person to my left or right. What I would encourage you to do is listen. Listen to what's being said. Try to pull away from it after a while, but know, know your issue. Know where you stand on this. Why do you, why do you take the position that you take? And ultimately, when you have a discussion and you approach the discussion from a logical viewpoint and you discuss the issue from a place of knowledge from a place of true faith and belief, very hard for you to be swayed. Very hard for you to be swayed and very hard for the other person on the other side of the argument to withstand and and continue in the debate, as I've seen personally from time to time. So plenty of, plenty of major wins for Christians and for biblical, Bible-believing conservatives in the state of South Carolina this year, it, it was a session for the ages, in my opinion. One of the most, one of the most active conservative agenda pushes in recent memory, certainly in my lifetime. We're not done yet because the Senate and the House will come back in June. June fifteenth is when they will return, and they'll take up a number of these bills that we mentioned that are in conference committee, and they could be taking up the pro-life issue yet again in South Carolina as we possibly look to the end of Roe and a post-Roe world. And we could be the post-Roe generation, a, a bill that, or a, a legal decision that is set on precedent for the better part of half a century that is rocking the political foundations of our country. And just one more point, I want to make the point here, that when we're talking about abortion, and we're talking about abortion rights, and I use that term loosely because I don't believe you have the right to an abortion, when we're talking about this issue, what's really interesting is that the United States is one of a handful of countries that take the approach that we do when it comes to wanting full-fledged, all-out, go nine months, boom, ba boom. Europe doesn't do that. Most European countries don't do that. Certainly you don't see it in other countries in the Middle East. We're one of a few, and I think it's very interesting that we're one of a few where we feel like we have come to the point as a human race and as a people to where we feel we are the arbiters of who can live and who can die. And the reasons why we choose to let some people live and some people die. When you start looking at it in that way, I, th- I, I think it, it, it should be shaped, the view of that is shaped certainly by your worldview. And that's what we try to do here at the Palmetto Family Matters podcast and at Palmetto Family Council. We try to make sure that we build a biblical worldview for the state of South Carolina. It's so important that we look at things through a biblical lens. These issues that are taking place across the country and across our state need a voice of reason and need a voice of calm, measured, logical discussion. And when we do that, as we saw in the State House this year, when you have a 
biblical belief and you believe it and you stand firm on it and you fight for it and you do it through faith and through logic, through common sense, it's amazing what you can accomplish in the state house, in your own house, and what we're doing each and every day here at Palmetto Family Council. So again, plenty of conservative wins are passed. We're going to keep monitoring what's happening in Washington, D.C. We're going to wait for the official decision from the court to come down in the Dobbs case that could push us to a post-Roe world. And we'll be discussing those bills that are in the state house over the coming weeks. So please, make sure to stay tuned. The session might be over, but please stay locked in with us here at Palmetto Family. There are a couple of ways you can do that. I'm glad you asked how you can do it. Number one, go to our website, palmettofamily.org. When you do that, you're going to click on the contact tab. On the contact tab, you can register to get our email newsletter. We send out at least one email a week letting you know what has happened in the state house, what is going on in the state in that week. So I'd encourage you to sign up for our email newsletter that we send out each and every week, and updates. That's the way you get updates on what's going on. We send out quick blasts on our email newsletter, so make sure you do that. Number two, follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Make sure you're following us on social media pages so you can keep up to date with what's going on and share that information with your friends and family. And finally, download the Palmetto Family Council app. Our app is the best way to stay connected with us. You can find out who your legislator and your and your representative and your senator, who they are, get connected with them, If you don't know them, I can promise you, they don't know you. You can also read the research that we're doing, the positions that we take on different issues. You can find that there on the app. And you sign up for the push notifications. We send out push notifications. It's a great way to stay connected. You can also text STAND to 76076. And let us know that you are standing with us in the fight for religious freedom across the state of South Carolina. Thank you so much for joining us on the Friday edition the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. I hope you enjoy your weekend. Have a great one, and we will see you back here on Tuesday.